I'm looking at something like Google. If we look at what happened to Ma Rainey, Google is that music business who said, let me just take your voice. They Google told Nisha, I'll give you $500. Welcome back. Hello to niggas and niggas only. It is your boy, Keese, Marquise Davon, Marquise, this American Negro, whatever you want to call me. Just do not call me Mark, please, and thank you. This American Negro is a podcast that aims to bridge academia in the hood because I think information should be accessible to everybody. The stoop niggas should know, the niggas in academia should know, and also, if you must know, niggas is very gender neutral. So, hello to all my niggas in the whole wide world, as Solange would say. I am really excited to hop into this episode, everything about it. But before we fully hop into this episode, I want to make sure that you know you can support me in a multitude of ways, whether it's monetary or non-monetary. If you want to support me in a monetary capacity, you can go to patreon.com slash Marquise Davon. Again, that is patreon.com slash Marquise Davon. That's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-E-D-A-V-O-N. You can support me for as little as $2 a month, which is $24 a year or whatever capacity you do have. I totally understand that it's still a pandemic. I understand that there's a lot of stuff going on and, you know, People got other priorities, but if you choose to invest your dollars in this here black brand, this black voice, this black man right here, I am also super greatly appreciated and it does not go unnoticed. I am super excited around the direction that I get to go moving into next year, especially as I am in the mode of like refining my brand and really looking at what this thing is becoming and what I can truly offer in a space that is worth your money and worth your time and worth that investment, which I'm super excited to get into because I finally feel like I'm having an idea of what Marquise Davon Productions is to be and how I really want to curate that space and how I really want to build intentional community around this space as well. And so as I'm building this thing out, it took me so long to really just have the clarity and the time to sit down and truly understand what do I truly want to impact? What kind of conversation do I want to push? What do I want this legacy in this brand in particular to really function as? And I've been sitting with my journal. I've just been in conversations. I've been back in my studying mode. And you already know when I'm doing that. I'm looking at Issa Rae. I'm looking at Beyonce. I'm looking at Baldwin. I'm looking at all these people that are super integral to how I navigate, even Quinta Brunson right now, and how they are taking spaces from back in the day and also thinking around how they can revolutionize that in a digital era and a content creation area and all that. And so I, bruh, when I tell you I'm excited, <laughs> And it's also been super humbling because I've had so many people also reach out and just like, yo, I would love for you to be able to produce my podcast and everything that looks like. So in all honesty, I am super excited to be able to get into that space too. Wild tangent, other sway, whatever, but now you got everything. That is also a monetary way you can donate to me. And another monetary way is also to let people know, like I am willing to have conversations, do workshops, be a keynote speaker because your boy got that on his list too. Um, to have conversations around anything that I talk about here on the podcast, whether it's in regards to black masculinity, if it's in regards to social emotional learning, what it means to be an educator in your first couple of years as well, right? What does it look like to organize? How do I do that in the digital space and translate that into the real world? All of this stuff is matters and all of that stuff is really important to me in terms of building a much more inclusive, anti-racist, 
and, you know, truly, truly, truly a space of equity for our people. That's really where my work really lies. And that's the kind of work that I would love to do, especially if you know a black student union at PWIs or black students who are first gen and interested in getting and have to have a very particular experience. I would love to be able to get in front of those students, especially because I know my story in academia was really important as I went through my own college career. But what would it look like if I had somebody to let me know around all the very space stress that we would be going through? What would it look like for me to be able to go into a space and know what it meant not to have to compromise myself in order to appeal to everybody else and be safe and not have to deal with respectability? I would love to be able to get in front of people in that way. Give me a budget. Give me an opportunity. Give the opportunity to talk and network. That would be amazing. So that is another way that you can support this black man here right here. This creator right here in a way that feels intentional, meaningful, but is also inciting change. With a nice little budget behind it, too. <laughs> um, so those are all the ways that you can donate to me monetarily, whether it's in the form of getting a job in a workshop or if it's in the form of Patreon, which is more of a subscription-based model. You can do either one, which I'm super appreciative of no matter what. And you also have an opportunity to support me in non-monetary ways as well. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. All right? Because if it if you tell five people, they'll tell five people, they'll tell five people, and that will just help me as a content creator. That helps me as a podcaster. This also means you can engage with me. You can use the hashtag This American Negro or TanPod to also interact with me on Twitter. You can also utilize this in my stories, let people know that you're listening to the show, because that way that helps me gain more visibility and pique somebody else's interest. And I am so appreciative of those who are able to do that. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to engage, like, subscribe, and comment there. If you're on any form of a streaming platform, Spotify, you can answer questions. You can also leave rate and reviews. Please don't be a hater. Hit that five stars. Tell me what you really enjoy about the podcast or tell me what you want to see more of out of me. All of these things matter to me as a podcaster, as a content creator, and as somebody who is recognizing I'm in a transitional phase of my brand and where I hope it is to go and where I plan for it to go more, to have a little bit more intention behind that. Hope versus plan. I want to plan to get to a certain spot and excited to see where it goes. So all of that to say thank you and I'm excited to see how the ways in which you all support me and in the ways in which that we can really delve into like the meat and potatoes of these conversations more because I have so many plans in terms of who I am as a producer as I get into that space more and more. So that's all the administrative stuff out of the way and kind of like the excitement of like where I was at and where I'm currently at. Oh, wow. This is... Ooh, that was Kimberly and Foster. I was waiting for one of her conversations to go and it just started and I said, yikes. <laughs> but we in here now anyway. Shout out to For Harriet, another super... Super huge inspiration to me in terms of this content creation space and really in the cultural commentary. Um, she's influenced a lot of what I do, but, you know, there's a little ad there. Really appreciate her. <laughs> now, to get back to this as well. Um, I am so hyped that y'all really got into that conversation last week. Like, y'all, the last episode, so many people were reaching out to me in terms of, like, Yo, Marquise, I really love what you had to say around the quiet quitting and where it may come from and how it stems and looking at it from like a top down era area um, in terms of like how we're looking at it. But it was so exciting to see like people were just like, oh, I would love to push you in this area. Like, have you thought about it this way, especially as somebody who is a leader in a school or a leader in an organization, but also hearing from people on the ground and like really taking notice of like people are like, yo, I need this in leadership. 
And it's so interesting. Like that can be a resource there. And somebody hit me and was just like, yo, Marquise, like this is what HR and DEI hopes to do. This is the space that they want to get into. This is the reality of where we need to go in terms of like younger millennials and Gen Z in the workplace. If we are not adopting some of these practices, the workspace was gonna is going to look very different. And so some of the comments that really stood out to me, I was so excited. Um, Leo have responded, Marquise, you are spot on with this. It's what I call ecosystem management, pulling the people that are boots in the grass into the rooms where decisions are being made. Now, it's for, e- it's for sure easier said than done. There's a large lack of organize- organization agility and inner organization understand that is missing and a lot of academia studies outside looking in versus inside looking out. Some of the biggest struggles that people at all levels have is creating evident and or cohesive return of investment. You see this in the lack of fundraising expertise at NPOs or the lack of business development acumen and skills that our creators have. Stakeholders at every level of business organization have to ask the question, how does this fit into the larger ecosystem? How does my demands impact the entire institution and at what level does that impact shift? Leaders and team members that are being led must be willing to come to the table. This is also a struggle because we all debate whether the table should even exist, or can we demolish the room itself? It's the difference of being a true democracy and a representative republic. republic. Oftentimes, there are critiques of the table, there is outrage at the table's experience, for damn good reason, but but who can identify that has been the willingness to come to the table and meet the leaders of the table where they are? Not to let them stay there. Export, expect more from leaders at every turn, but also support the path and bridge to get there. There's so much involved in this conversation, and even there are people that are chosen or worked hard to get to the table, change, and let the benefits and personal gain potential be the guide to forgetting or disregarding the people that look just like them. That's just not enough room in these comments for a dialogue. He also says leadership evolves and changes with the times. At one point, previous styles of leadership works, got the job done, and now it doesn't. What transcends the times? Should anything? There's so much more to unpack, but never has the private business been the push for for values, inclusion, and true caring for citizens. We would still have kids in minds if it weren't for people and governmental interventions. And a lot of the through line that of what I've seen for a lot of people has been like, hey, I would love to see leaders who are on the ground with us. I would love to see leaders who are accessible. I would love to see leaders who are also doing this thing and including me or being able to just simply be considerate of how this may impact me. That is so interesting to see like so many organizations and so many of my peers and all of these comments are from people as young as 22 all the way up to people as old as 42. And so it's super interesting to see like the expansiveness of comments and how people are talking around it, like how they are able to respect leadership. I think it is something that is so important for leaders to have, especially if you are new to leadership, especially if you are developing into leadership. And the thing that I found most crucial around what Leo was saying is also the willingness for people to step into this. Now, again, I think it's a little difficult when we talk around the era of quiet quitting and only doing what's within the means. However, if you are a person who claims to care and you are dissatisfied with the conditions, sometimes it is a space where leadership just simply doesn't know. 
I'm one of those people. I'm just like, nah, I'm so confused as to why you did not even consider this. Like, I'm mad annoyed that you didn't even look at this detail of how this impacts the thing that I do. I, I'll let y'all know off rip. <laughs> I do not have, I have not had that level of like consideration in and grace in terms of leadership because one, I would say y'all get paid to deal with some more bullshit than I do. Also, I should not be having to be here to think for you. You should also remember what it's like to be in my position. Those are the realities of what that is. And I'm recognizing like, hey, because they don't have all the answers, they're human and not just their position. There is a level of grace that I am developing and I'm still in the middle of that because I'm just like, I know me as a leader, I'm consistently having these considerations in my mind, but a different generation of leaders may not have to have these considerations because they may not have had to grow up with these levels of consideration that feel second nature to our kind of, to us as younger millennials and Gen Z. So it's like super interesting to see like what does true collaboration look like and what does trust look like in terms of like what we are looking for in leaders and how this thing can operate in a way that feels good in a way that feels like everybody is getting the things that they need and we can sustain workplaces to have like, hey, I need this thing to work and you need to see this vision and believe in this vision long enough for this thing to happen. And so I've just been so much more interested in like, how organizations run, how leaders are being developed, if they are being developed, and all of the things that that looks like. Another person, Maurice Mitchell, had released an article recently that talked around building resilient organizations. I'm going to put that in the link below, but he goes through this idea of like, what does it mean to have an organization that is focused on social justice, is more mission-based and mission-driven, and the different factors that can go into putting together an organization, trusting leadership, but also understanding the cultural climate of where we're at today and the implications of what that means. So that was just a section of like, hey, I'm super happy that y'all were reflective and responsive to the last episode and the clip in general. And for those who decided to reach out to me and tell their stories, share their stories, I am so, so appreciative that y'all are receiving this episode and feel like that is something that's relevant to you and putting words to something that you may not have known to put words to. Again, bridging academia and hood. We here. <laughs> now we can get out of that spot real quick. Y'all already know I do the Hey Black Man series. And this is just a quick check-in with myself and something that's just been on my mind recently. And this past weekend, I was able to go to New York and chill with my friends. Like the friend group that just, we can talk around different experiences of life and all of that. And normally I'll go in and I'm just like, all right, cool. Let me leave early so I'm not being a disruption. Da, 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 da. I've been trying to practice slowing down. Simply just slowing everything down and not having to rush everything. <laughs> and not missing those moments anymore, to be honest. Like those moments of stillness, those moments of slowing down, those moments of just enjoying conversation and people and the moment and staying present. When I tell you that just hit different, I did not have to rush home for anything. I did not feel the need to like, all right, time to go to the next thing. Like, no, my day was complete by simply having that four hour conversation with my boys the morning after and just enjoying life and enjoying time and just knowing I don't have to rush through everything. I don't want to live in a space of consistently being stressed and always looking for like, what is the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? I'm consistently teaching myself and talking to myself around like, yo, Keith, enjoy, smell the roses, sit, be patient, sit in that pleasure, sit in that happiness, sit in that joy, sit in that comfort, sit in the stillness, and that is okay. I got a really, really good human that is really pushing me to do this a lot more, and I'm super thankful, and it's just like more signs are just letting me know like, hey, this thing is 
important this thing is meant for me to do this especially because i've been on go for so long so to sit here and do things that bring me joy and sit here and be chill and not have to worry about everything it's been so nice so i'm appreciative black man practice slowing down and practice stillness is all i have to say for you <laughs> for me <laughs> okay other than that let's fully get into this episode this episode is timely this episode feels important this episode is a cautionary tale especially us as black content creators i'm taking it all the way back real quick okay <laughs> i gotta take it back real quick i'm taking it back to ma rainey ma rainey was an american blues singer she was dubbed as the mother of blues and one of the earliest artists to record her voice she was known in the culture and everybody wanted to hear her people were admiring her showmanship the fact that she wrote a third of her songs, which is unheard of in that era in the 1920s. Nobody was doing that, bro. Nobody. Okay. And for her to be a black woman with so much audacity, a fat black woman with all audacity, who there are learnings of her being bisexual or lesbian, but having this level of sexual freedom and this gender queerness about her that is so appealing to people, but they wanted her voice. They wanted her performance. There was a level of freedom there. And so we're looking at somebody like Ma Rainey, who is truly something special. She came in at a time when blues is starting to reach its peak and start also to go to its decline. She was shaping it for the culture and generations to come, but as many trends and genres go, they end up evolving or fading out as a new sound is coming along. Ma Rainey has influenced generations and generations of blues singers. You have Bessie Smith. You have so many more that are coming around. Yet, it is that moment of it being a trend. A trend means erasure could potentially happen or you're phasing out of what was currently popular. And that's so crucial for us to recognize because she, as she recorded her voice, she said, they don't love me. They love my voice. They don't love me. They love my voice. Sitting with that and having such a level of awareness that that is something that is to be said, she already knew that they were not looking at her as a human being. They were looking at her as someone that could get their voices out further and further. So she ended up recording with Paramount for a long time. She recorded 20 plus songs with them, but they decided to cut her. They were like, yo, this sound isn't appealing anymore. Your version of the blues is not appealing anymore. But also recognizing like she was somebody who was getting paid $350 a week for a performance. And you think about that in the 1920s, that's a lot of money. That's a lot. Okay. She was flashy. She was somebody that people knew, people wanted to hear. And so she still had a career and she was doing that. But as the voice became something that could be expanded out, to other people, that wasn't necessary anymore. She was no longer necessary to have to show up in these spaces because white folks and these recording companies knew once I gathered your voice and got the perfect recording that I needed, I can now give that out to so many people and make so much money off of your voice, but not have to pay you that much, right? <laughs> I got the product that I need you're here for a short time, a good time, not a long time. This is what we're going to do. So even having a hyper awareness of recognizing like, hey, this music industry is moving. It's no longer. I don't need 
that live performance aspect anymore. People need, want to record a voice so they can make as much money off of this thing. And I'm going to continue to let us know, like, we've seen this happen to black folks continuously and continuously. We've seen it happen to TLC. <laughs> we've seen it happen to Mace. We've seen it happen to Khalees. We've seen it happen to so many people who are looking at shady contracts, but also recognizing that their voices and their likeness is making so much more money than they actually are. These companies are making more money than they actually are. And these companies have money, but they know how to exploit. They know how to say, I can recognize talent. I can let them know exactly this thing, but I'm going to fully dictate what they are worth, especially if they don't know any better. And most recently, we witnessed Nisha, you know, the chicken salad girl. <laughs> Where'd you get that chicken salad? She is somebody whose voice on TikTok went viral. She's all over the place. She's in my classrooms. She's in commercials. She's in every possible TikTok trend that you can see. Referenced consistently, the deli is going to. They are making chicken salads out the wazoo. They're now even building up their presentation of the chicken salad. Right? They knew. The culture knew to uplift this black woman. And as they uplifted her for taking over the culture, we all were able to recognize like this is a piece of gold that we are on. We love it and we are attaching ourselves to it. And that's just the way that the internet works. We're going to see something that can be the most unintentional funny thing, the most unintentional viral thing, and run with it and go. We, can, we know how to make people cool. We know how to deem what is cool, what is not. And as we are able to make the things that are cool, what's important to the culture, what's a cultural moment for us, the dollar signs ring off real quick to these organizations who are like, how can I take this even further, Right? That deli on 81st knew exactly what they was doing. <laughs> now they got to up production. Up it, up it, up it, right? Because that viral aspect, everybody's going over there now. Everybody wants to get this chicken salad. Their whole marketing, they had 100K followers, 100,000 followers. Boom. All because of a simple TikTok. They profited so much off of that because everybody wanted to go try this chicken salad now, right? <laughs> like that's, but that's the way the internet works. That's the way virality works. That's the way that this thing of content works as people are thinking around it. And knowing that influencers are pushing so much more. People join people, people don't join things. So if you get a cosign from the right person, you're good, <laughs> okay? And so I'm thinking around all of this and it is a trend for the culture and ultimately helps another business profit due to the sheer cool factor that we have as black people. But something so regular became something so sensational. And the deli has benefited. And off of the deli benefiting, Google now reaches out. I'm looking at something like Google. If we look at what happened to Ma Rainey, Google is that music business who said, let me just take your voice. They, Google told Nisha, I'll give you $500. $500 for your voice that is seen everywhere, that is referenced everywhere, that you cannot escape from because of how viral this thing is. 
everybody is using it. And we will be referencing that for a long time and not get tired of it anytime soon. Until every single person has touched that chicken salad from that deli. <laughs> That's going to be the reality. People want to try this thing. And Google's had the audacity to offer this black girl $500. We talking about a billion dollar company like Google saying, yo, we would love to use your voice. We think your voice is only worth $500. For Nisha to say, nah, you're bugging. That's beautiful. Because fact of the matter is she's a black woman who knew her worth. The black man, where the money reside, where the money reside, knew exactly what to do to capitalize on that moment. Because once you go viral and it's something that people cannot escape, everybody's hopping on it. They are going to find a way to utilize this. We know what happened to the black girl who created the, rene the renegade dance. Somehow Addison Rae now has all the deals, is going to the Met Gala. Got a contract? What? What? Getting money off of black people's creative content, intellectual property, is still something so wild. However, it is also leading us into this cautionary tale. When you go for Ma Rainey, when you go to TLC, when you go to Nisha and the chicken salad, all of these things have a through line. One, all black women. Okay, okay, right, okay. I try to throw Mason in there, you know, switch it up a little bit. But mostly all black women and black people in general who are creating culture, who are creating a big moment that people are latching themselves onto. Then from there, you see a larger entity say, hey, I want this thing because I know this can probably make me more money. But I'm going to give you 500 and then make tens of thousands of dollars off of an ad that I can use your voice for. Make a million dollars off of your voice because of something you said, because of something you sang to us. Right? We see how this thing is wild to think. And just to know that if we don't know our own worth as content creators, somebody will always dictate that for us. Which means we will never know if we don't have a number. I'm realizing that now as I want to go monetize, as I want to go build out a brand, as I want to go make sure that I am still getting the money that I'm worth because of the talents that I have. But if I don't know how to break this thing down, if I don't know all of the ins and outs of what I do, the time that it takes, the competitive rates that are out there, the, the product that I'm creating, what I bring to the table, I'm always going to get any deal. Right, they I take 500, be like, Yeah, I got this perfect deal. Da, 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 da. Take that same thing, and somebody else is getting 500,000, making 20,000 off of it. That's the difference because companies know they can exploit people who may not know any better. That's the reality. This is also important for us to recognize that as we are looking at these larger platforms, what does it truly mean to be independent? What does it truly mean to have ownership in these spaces? We all have to look at the fact that Twitter is going down, right? That's my, that's, my, that's my platform that I do so well on. That's my platform of influence is Twitter. And because of that and knowing the way that the internet works and knowing the way that the content that I particularly do in terms of like social political content, political education content, all of that 
gets pushed to the back anyways. We know people get shadow banned on TikTok for speaking truth to power. We know people get shadow banned on Instagram. Twitter is one of the few places where us as content creators who focus on a more of a social justice and social political lens have the opportunity to ensure that these things continue to get told. It is a place to archive all of these conversations. It's a way to push conversation. It's a way to push hyper awareness of a thing. Black Twitter helped so many people and helped bring out so much more. Black Twitter is the reason we had a Breonna Taylor, an Ahmaud Arbery, right? Shanquella. All of this stuff is super important. And we can name Black Twitter specifically and cite that site as an opportunity to see how this thing moves. But again, we are at the mercy of Elon Musk because now we have somebody who owns it and knows how to destroy it but can take away so many people's platforms. So we're all sitting here waiting to see what happens. This is also a cautionary tale to ensure that creators, when we own our own stuff, the first form of ownership that we can have as content creators is having a website. I'm yelling at myself too. (laughs) There, you can control the emails that you get. There, you can control how the site functions. You can build community there and you can make your money right off of your own site. All of that is so important to remember that we need this because when TikTok decides that it doesn't like your content, when Instagram decides that it doesn't like your content, it will stifle it. It will hide it. It will no longer exist. But if people are directly coming to me to get the information and the resources that I do provide on a website that I have, that's that's important. That's ownership. I own that domain. And that's important for us to recognize as content creators, and that's important for us to recognize what happens when we decide to give our content to somebody else, decide to sell our brand, sell our likeness, sell our content. All of that is going to be necessary in order to see how we are going to survive in this creator economy, particularly as black folks who do not have generational wealth. The reality is as content creators and more so black content creators, we are taking a risk. That risk can mean that we don't have something to fall back on. We don't have somebody there to support us. If we were to say, hey, I need a year to build this thing out and that's all I need for you to do and my return on investment will come back tenfold. That's the kind of stuff that's going to be important for us to start seeing and recognizing, right? Especially if your content goes viral by accident. Who knows if Nisha really wanted something that big, right? Who knows if that hypervisibility and that kind of fame is necessary. But now she knew to take that and run it with a, a Weight Watchers deal. <laughs> right? Like, that's a quick way to flip. And because of that accidental opportunity that this became a, a viral moment, that this became an opportunity for her to take the thing that she loves and build something bigger than that, that's also going to be super necessary to know, like, Are we ready as content creators when that opportunity strikes by accident? Do we know exactly how to leverage that moment? Are there people who are going to be acting in good faith if they want to leverage our content, our likeness, our ability to influence a group of people? I don't know. Right? And I'm so interested because... In this digital landscape, anything can be considered content for a lot of people. I don't consider everything content. But (laughs) for some people, they're just like, yo, this is content. Um, But I think content requires a level of intention behind it. 
so what happens when we're just saying, oh, hey, doing this thing and now suddenly content? No, there's strategy that goes behind this. There's intention that goes behind this. There are things that just accidentally happen. So what happens to the content creators who are very intentional around the things that they create versus the ones who are accidentally going viral and now getting all of those deals? I don't know. I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. I'm interested to see where the conversation goes. I think that this is going to be an opportunity for people to consist. I think more exploitation is going to result of more black folks doing this. But I hope that somebody like Nisha or the dude who did Where the Money Reside are opportunities for us to remember, like, nah, remember our worth and remember to take advantage of these moments. Because they're going to try and tell us what something that we are and how much we're worth based on the content that we create. Versus like, nah, I'm telling you exactly what my worth is. Oh, you think you're going to use my voice? You're going to use my likeness? You're going to use my creativity? And flip it? Let me flip that for you. <laughs> Let me make sure I benefit. That's the kind of stuff that's necessary. I think there's something to say that of having cultural capital. But what does it mean for us to take that cultural capital and make that into something of profit? Make that of something for us to make sure that we are still benefiting. And not just these organizations that know that they can take our worth that they know they can tell us how much we're worth that's the stuff that i'm more interested in i'm intrigued to see how we operate in that kind of space that's much more compelling to me of a conversation as black content creators what does it look like for us to have ownership what does it look like to have our own spaces in order to build this stuff what does it look like to make sure that we are all leaning on each other and building an ecosystem that is going to consider continue to build on top of each other I should be able to lean on my my people and say, yo, at this moment, can I use you to do this? I'm, I'm excited I get to do that now, right? I get to be a producer on my boy's show on the Hung Up Pod Live if you need to go watch it. And it's dope to see how what it takes for a team to come together. When I did due diligence, that was also something so exciting for me. Like, I had... My, my boy Cody there, Val Moore is my co-host. We're curating this moment, but those who truly believed in the vision would hop in, right? My boy Elijah of the Entangled Pod, he hopped in when Val Moore couldn't be there. When my person that was supposed to be recording the show couldn't be there, my friend Naomi stepped in to record the show because they truly believed in the opportunity that was being presented. And that ecosystem only allowed this product to flourish even more. They saw the community that was built. They saw the people that were willing to show up and show out. And that is important. So for our content creators, as I asked the question, what does it mean to create our own content and our own ecosystem and have that level of ownership? Make sure you get a website. I'm working on the same thing. Make sure you have an ecosystem of people that you can depend on that are not going to steer you in the wrong direction. Also understand your worth and find a person who can help you understand that even more. I had to ask my boy Cozy. I was like, I don't know what my rates are in this capacity of being a creator. What does it mean for me to producer to be a producer? And what does it mean for me to charge? And I have to sit there and break down the labor, the time, the capacity, what I'm doing, how much they're getting off of me, how much do they actually have? All of that's going to be necessary as I understand. So ask questions, ask people who have been in the game and are going through it right now. They went through it. They can create an easier path by simply giving you words of wisdom. It's just a matter of what you do with those words of wisdom after that. Follow through is always necessary. Five, six years in this content creation game, and I'm continuing to learn more. I'm continuing to understand my own place in it. And I'm, considering, I'm continuing to push myself to be even better in this space.
take Ma Rainey and see what happened to her. A culture, I cultural icon. But what happens when she, her voice was taken and commodified? Look at Nisha in the chicken salad and see how her voice was attempted to be taken and still she was able to commodify off of her own stuff. All of that's going to be necessary as you navigate this content creation space, as you see how these companies don't care, they will just try to use you so they can also get their profit on at the end of the day. What are your thoughts on this topic? Um, is this or is Ma Rainey new to you? Um, is the Nisha situation new to you? I'm super interested. What advice do you have for other black content creators that are in the space of wanting to monetize and wanting to do these brand partnerships and try to avoid exploitation? Let me know your thoughts. Again, this is your boy, Keith. I appreciate you. Please make sure to reach out on any form of social media. It's at Marquise Davon. So that's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-E-D-A-V-O-N on all social media platforms. If you want to su support me monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash Marquise Davon. Other than that, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this show. Leave a rate and review on this podcast. I appreciate every single person who is listening and taking time and just you know, doing the damn thing. I appreciate y'all. Um, I will see y'all next week. Thank you so much for this episode. Recording stopped.